0: But um, thank you so much, Russell, for your kind uh, invitation to speak this morning. It's uh, always a joy and a delight to be here. Good reports of what happens in this church. So, Russell, thank you. My father, my brother, and my brother-in-law are all amateur aprists. The worker bees select larva and feed it exclusively with royal jelly. The emerging new bee, queen bee, is twice the size of a regular worker bee. She then leaves the hive accompanied by a large host of worker bees leaving behind a depleted hive. She moves immediately to a close local resting place where she remains for only a few days while some of her attendant worker bees scout around for a more permanent place. Then she moves again, setting up a new permanent hive to rear more bees and thus perpetuate her species. Meanwhile, back at the old hive, there is much renewed activity As they get to work eagerly to replenish their depleted numbers. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we stand at the cusp of a new history, and we are mindful of all the challenges and responsibilities that such a change will bring. Father, to use a, a new phrase that's been around all the time, we're going to enter into a new normal for EDAC. And so, Father, I pray that as we meditate upon this moment in our hearts, into our lives, Father, we pray this, we speak this, we meditate upon these truths for your glory, And because we love the church. In the name of the head of the church, Jesus. Amen. The passage of scripture I've chosen for us to uh, read this morning is from Acts chapter 20. Apologies if now you've been caught without a Bible. So open your phones, find your Bible, Acts chapter 20. I'm preaching on this passage, the degree of nervousness this morning, because I'm fully aware that your senior pastor, Russell, spent considerable time last year working his way through the book of Acts. So, if I say anything this morning that is different from what he said, he's right, I'm wrong think I'm safe now. By now you should have found chapter 20 and I'm going to read from verse 32. Now writes, Paul, uh, writes Luke before Paul, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to his ship. Now I know, I know, the parents are not very close. You will see each other again. God willing. But the reason I've chosen this passage of Scripture is because of those words that Paul quoted that Jesus said, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Which could, of course, be a word for this congregation. More blessed to give than to receive. Now, for those of you who are really good Bible scholars and you know Matthew, Mark, Luke and John the Gospels really well and you're sitting here thinking, hang on, I don't recall reading these words in the four Gospels, and you would be correct. They're not recorded there. It's quite possible, of course, that Paul or Luke wrote this before those Gospels were written, but they won't. So how did Paul hear these words? Well, of course, we know that the, apostles, that the Gospel writers were very selective in the material John writes at the very end of his Gospel as he pondered on all the things that Jesus said and did, he thought, mm, you know, there may not be enough books in the whole world to record everything that Jesus said and did. So therefore, it's quite likely that Jesus did say so. Of course he did. But more than that, I like to think, and again, this is just me hypothesizing, I like to think that the Apostle Paul, when he was still known as Saul of Tarsus, think about it, Yes, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was born in Tarsus, Antioch. But he lived most of his life in Jerusalem. He was trained under Gamaliel, who was resident in, in Jerusalem. He was a Pharisee. of The Pharisees, their headquarters was in Jerusalem. He was there when Stephen, only a few weeks after Pentecost, was murdered by stoning being the sort of man that I imagine Pentecost and even before Pentecost, sorry, around Passover and even before Passover, he would have heard about Jesus of Nazareth, this itinerant preacher who was saying things that were upsetting the Jewish hierarchy. I cannot imagine Paul ignoring that. He would have been out and about in the temple square listening to what Jesus said. He may well even have been in the crowd that shouted out, crucify him, crucify. I'm not an apostle, Paul. But even I would be curious about, if I was living in his age, I would be curious about this itinerant preacher who was healing people and saying some of these outlandish statements that he was making concerning the Jewish faith and the laws of Moses. So I like to think, and you can throw this away, but I like to think the Apostle Paul actually heard Jesus say these words. That's more blessed to give than to receive. So what are the blessings that we have received, that we delight in? We sang many of them this morning. You know, things like forgiveness, deliverance from demonic powers. Have you been healed? Are you saved? Are you the wonderful blessings that we get from the fellowship of believers? Oh, what about the glorious Holy Spirit that has been given to us? The gifts, the graces of the Spirit of God. Look, the list just goes on of all the blessings that we have received, and yet Jesus says, Give him. gives you an even greater blessing. Now, I know there are many churches where the preacher or the pastor will need to receive a blessing. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good idea. be prayed for is good. But giving actually gives you a greater blessing. You know, most of us can drop $100 in the offering bag every week. No real big deal. For many of us in this room, it doesn't even count to 10% of your gross income each week. far more valuable to give than our money in our culture. It's our time. Time is so, so precious. So I want to ask you to think about the time that you give for others. We won't pick 10%, that would be four hours a week, 40 hour week. Let's pick 5%, two hours a week. We are this morning and participating in some great and wonderful worship. I mean, it's I mean, it's just fabulous to be here and, and, and be part of the worshipping community to be ministered to by these expert musicians, by their voices. And of course in this church you have the added blessing bonus of having a really great senior pastor who's a great preacher and then of course as I've mentioned it's just worth coming just to be with brothers and two hours that hour and a half is almost for yourself how well do we do two hours of our time for the benefit of others You see, giving hurts. It's inconvenient to us. Giving time means I've got to take time from something else that I value. And we are so busy with our families, with our employment. I really want to put this before you because I think it's a need of the church of the day that everyone who is a follower of Jesus considers seriously giving of others. What that looks like will be different for every single person in this room. I'm sure if you are a little unsure how it might look, just talk to your pastor. Just talk to the new advisory committee. I'm thinking about all the tasks that need to be done when you start a new congregation. I'm thinking of all the tasks that now, while these people are leaving this congregation. If you are not giving time to serve others, seriously consider it. If you don't know what to do, knock on the pastor's door and say, I want to be used. I want to give my time. I'm sure he's got a catalogue. Giving is a a very important phenomenon, perhaps the uh, most important place in Scripture where Paul speaks about giving is in Second Corinthians. That's the book we always turn to when we think of giving in the Apostle Paul's teaching. Go to chapter 8 and we have these wonderful words from verse 5. Speaking of the Macedonians, Paul writes, he says, First gave themselves, first to the Lord, and then to us. Now, I really want to emphasize this because it is possible that you think of giving only in terms of your flesh. just It's not something that God leads you to. No, no, no. I want you, firstly, to give yourselves to God, and then out of that relationship, you give to others. So, I won't... In the illustration of the hive that I started with, I noted how... Both the new congreg- new hive and the old hive have to be busy about restoring their numbers. How do we do this? So my final thing that I want to say this morning, I take from John 15. It's about the ministry of the Holy Spirit being a ministry that is going to bear witness to Jesus. And then Jesus says, and you also will witness for me, because you have been with me. Church, the task falls upon us. To tell others about your own personal experience with Jesus. The reason why Jesus asked the disciples to go and bear witness, to testify, is because they had been with Jesus. They had experienced Jesus. They had something personal that they could share with others. During the last couple of years that I was pastoring the Southern Districts Alliance Church, there was an elderly couple who began coming to church. He was in his early 80s. And after a message, I don't even remember what I preached on now, but he came forward for prayer and ministry at the end. And I remember listening to him. And He said to me, bear in mind, he's in his early 80s. He says, John, all my life, I've been an angry man. He said, hardly a week. He said, honestly, hardly a day goes by when I am not angry angry, or I burst out in some kind of anger statement. And he said, can you pray for me? So we spoke for very briefly, we made confession, forgiveness, and repentance. And then I prayed that he would be delivered from a spirit of anger. Next Sunday, he came to church, late, and had a big smile on his face, And all he could say to me was, John, I need to talk to you at the end of the service. And he came and he told me how for the first time in his life, gone a whole week without being angry. And behind him coming up was his wife with the biggest smile on her face you've ever seen. And so what was he doing? I heard him telling others how Jesus had delivered him from the spirit of anger or from being angry. Or how, I'm not sure the words he used, they were my words. But he had a story to tell. He could bear witness. He could testify about something that Jesus had done in his life. That's all we are required to do as followers of Jesus. We do not teach some kind of gospel message. You don't have to go and you should not go to a Bible college in order to literally tell those who would listen what Jesus has done for you. Has he delivered you from guilt? Has he restored your marriage? Has he healed your body? Whatever it is, and it will be different for all of us, that's what you tell. And as you tell your encounter with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is witnessing to that person as well. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction and salvation. It's so easy. Now, you have a problem if Jesus has never done anything for you. If you're sitting there listening and going, well, I I can't remember anything that Jesus has done for me. If that's the case, the solution is easy. Talk to this man in the front. He would be delighted to talk to you on that topic. If you're a man, if you're a woman, talk to his dear wife. These are folk who have experienced Jesus. And Jesus has done marvellous things in their life. Well, friends, I tell you, when Jesus does something in your life, You don't have to be told to tell others. It just happens. And both this congregation and the Ali Dakians, they also, their neighbours, their families, and at the same time, invite them to come. Folk come here because someone invited you. Now, I don't even know you, but I'm sure 90% of you came because someone invited you. Or someone told you about this church. Just keep doing that. Share in Jesus. I think this is an exciting opportunity in the life of this church. Please, get busy again about filling up all the chairs again. It's exciting. Like a new day. And uh, somehow I wish I could still be here, but... I'm going to miss those days, but I'll hear the reports. Let me pray for you. Our gracious and loving Father, you've reminded us this morning how clear it is of the work that we need to be busy with. Giving of ourselves and of others and sharing all the wonderful things that you've done in our lives. In our lives. So Father, I Pray and commend to you this congregation, these congregations, for the glory of Jesus. Amen.